Ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll. Hi everyone, it's Only Stu, episode 19, an unbelievable week to do a podcast. Unbelievable week to be in my business. Unbelievable week to be alive. It's Super Bowl week, but you wouldn't know it because really it should be called NBA week. There's never been a week like this in NBA history with LeBron breaking the record and the trade deadline being hot and heavy and furious and mind-blowing. So I'm so excited and we are ready to fucking get into it. Alex, how you doing? Feeling good. Feeling great. Feeling hopeful. Hopeful. Feeling positive. Feeling blessed. I take that back. Um, I'm a Nets fan and everything went to shit. Um, our whole future's dead. We're back to square one. This happened before. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Um, arguably, this is way worse. Way worse. Oh, it's there's, listen, there's nothing to compare to this. You had the two best players in the NBA, arguably, besides LeBron, and it went to shit. But let, let, we're going to get into this. We're going to get And it's so apropos that me and Alex are doing the podcast together because Alex has been a New Jersey Net fan, Brooklyn Net fan forever. Uh, I remember in 2007, uh, I took him for his birthday. We just looked it up. It was the day after his birthday, March, uh, excuse me, May 14th, 2007. And the um, Cleveland Cavaliers beat the New Jersey Nets at the time. I think it was the Continental Airlines Arena. And LeBron lit us up. He was just so fucking good. He was amazing. And listen, New Jersey Nets were fucking amazing. They were absolutely fucking amazing. Then you had Kenyon Martin, super fucking star. You had Jason Kidd on the point, best point guard in the NBA. And, you know, pretty much that core team, I think, went to -to back-to-back NBA finals and lost to the Lakers and lost to the Lakers. So, in other words, they had a phenomenal, phenomenal team. And one of the main things, we always loved LeBron James. LeBron James, in my house, was always the king, the chosen one. LeBron James for all money, and really anybody with a brain and eyes. The best all-around basketball player ever. Ever, ever, ever. Now, Michael Jordan is the best scorer ever. Most clutch player ever. If your life's on the line, you want him to take the shot. If if your life's on the line, you want him on the free throw line, okay? If your life's on the line, you want the ball in his hands some way, somehow, somewhere. He's going to make the shot. He's never, ever, ever failed. Didn't fail in college. Never failed in the NBA. And he's hit every motherfucking clutch shot ever. But I grew up a Knicks fan. Long-suffering Knicks fan. And I must have spent over a million dollars on New York Knicks tickets. I sat in the 90s, the minute we got Pat Riley, right behind the bench, two rows behind their bench. And when I threw my French fries out in the garbage can, Pat, uh, Patrick Ewing, when he drank his water during every timeout, would throw his cup in the same fucking garbage can. His sweaty ass was in my fucking face, and I fucking loved it. My favorite basketball player of all time is Patrick Ewing. Fucking love him. Fucking love him. Fucking love him. And if the owner of the Knicks would have just got Tim Hardaway, because he was on Miami at the time, and Pat Riley uh, came to the Knicks, and all we needed was that point guard, and we would have beat Michael Jordan, and we would have fucking smashed his motherfucking cock-sucking face in. 
because we had the team. Because then you were able to play physical. You were able to just take Michael Jordan and throw him to the motherfucking ground to knock him fucking down, step on his face, cause fights. And that was basketball then. Basketball has changed now. They open the court up and, you know, you touch someone now and you get a fucking technical. That's not how it was in the 80s and pretty much in the 90s. Um, I hated, hated, hated Michael Jordan. I mean, out of respect, I hated the fucking guy. Just out of respect, I hated him. So my family was brought up on Knicks hating Michael Jordan and rooting against anybody that played Michael Jordan. Well, in the championship, that really didn't go so well, obviously, right? He was 6-0, and and Knicks could never get to the finals when he was playing. They only got there the one year um, when he took that uh, hiatus to play baseball because he did it all. He was, like, tired. And uh, we couldn't beat Hakeem Olajuwon anyway. It was really... So if you, if you had to rank what? Michael Jordan yes. ripping your heart out yes. or peak Reggie Miller ripping your heart out, what's, what's no, worse? No, 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 no. Reggie, Reggie was a phenomenal player, one of the greatest scorers ever. I'd say top five or ten I've ever seen. Maybe top two in person. I mean, it was Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller. That was it. They hit every clutch shot. And I hate Reggie Miller, too. To this day, I hate him. He ripped my heart that was out. Your, he that was your golden po- shot. He scored eight points in like three seconds. It That's was like, what I'm saying. He, 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 t- he took the ball, three-pointer, stole the ball, three-pointer, I think stole the ball again, two-pointer. That's how it was, and we lost. Um, but that was your I'm one Jordan, shot. Jordan, there's nobody that's ever destroyed me more than Michael Jordan because the Knicks were amazing. Pat Riley was amazing. The Knicks team was amazing. The Garden was loud. And I spent mil- well over a million dollars on tickets. I was paying, um, I'm just trying to think, I was paying $17.50 per ticket, and I always bought four seats for regular games, and then playoffs were anywhere between $2,500 to $5,000. And uh, the game that Michael Jordan came back, that he scored 55, I paid uh, 12500 for the four. And then we went more to Chicago beforehand. I've told the story a million times. And then Michael lit us up. And uh, I think Bill Weddington, uh, Weddington, uh, their center, scored the winning basket. Michael fucking uh, passed him the ball. And then he dunked because they were like triple teaming Michael. And Patrick Ewing scored like 25 straight points in that game. So Michael Jordan's my number one enemy forever, has ripped my heart out 10 times worse than anyone. But Reggie Miller's there. I, when I see Reggie Miller, it still hurts. It hurts my ball sack. It hurts my heart. It hurts my soul. And I, I put my head down. I really do. You know, so, so my point is that we always hated Michael Jordan. And we loved LeBron James. And then Alex became a big net fan. And we went to see LeBron, you know, with the Brooklyn, with the New Jersey Nets at the time, and he pissed on us. So my point becomes, he broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record, Lou Alcindor's record, scoring record, with an amazing fadeaway shot, swish. A patented LeBron shot. Patented. Went exactly as was scripted. If the NBA scripted, that was the script. It was absolutely unbelievable. And then LeBron said, fuck yeah, fuck you, whatever the fuck he said, the fuck bomb, which was shocking, absolutely shocking. I never thought that would come out of his mouth on a mic that night, but it did because it was really raw emotion. So LeBron James, in my eyes, in our family's eyes, in the reality of life, is the greatest all-around basketball player ever. No, it's not all-around. He's the greatest basketball player. 
Okay, so well, another. I don't think Michael Jordan. I, I, I mean, like I, I think make, it's, listen, Michael, you grew up watching him. <clears throat> yeah, but it's not. It's not close in my opinion. Well, put it this way: if you if your life's on the line, yeah, <clears> I is think LeBron taking the shot of yeah, Michael. I would. I'd rather have LeBron. Really? He's, he's, okay. He has more clutch minute or points. no? He has. He. he I mean, every it is statistic, a fallacy. He's not a clutch player. Every he's statistic. the greatest clutch player ever. If you look uh, at his stats, look at his image. You're right. You're right. But I still think that Michael Jordan is the greatest scorer ever, the greatest clutch shooter ever. I want Michael to take the shot. I want Michael on the foul line. And really, I want Michael, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands, even if he's got to drive, even though LeBron is a much better, stronger, fiercer driver. I mean, my, uh, LeBron's twice his size. So for my money, uh, LeBron is the greatest all-around basketball player ever, 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 hands down, Michael can't even suck his cock. Michael can't even lick his balls. Listen, I, I caught Michael Jordan towards the tail end when, you know, he was playing with the Wizards. Bottom line is LeBron at 38. What he just did is incredible. Scoring because, 30 points a game? No, 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 no. Because he, he showed that night versus the Thunder when he needed 36 to pass for the record. If he wanted the basket, he's getting the basket. He drove to the hole and there's nothing you could do. And nothing. that's versus younger, I would say, you know, he's never not been in his prime. You could look at this year, blindfold, without the age, and just look at the box scores of what he's putting up. You wouldn't know where to put him. You wouldn't know how old he is. So bottom line is, this guy has never not produced at an elite level. No, absolutely. No, so no, longevity no, no question, it. it's not even close. Might have taken the worst team ever in the history of NBA basketball to the championship, which was Cleveland. The first one, yeah, yeah, you know, not to even the NBA champion. No, no, not no, to win, but took, but took them. They were, they were shit. Taking that team to they a winning gosh. record, to a winning record, would be incredible. Yes. So yes. I, I, I look at his full body of work, and I don't really think it's close. Well, and I mean, it's also Michael Jordan got, you know, a couple of breaks throughout his career where, you know, whether it was the uh, infamous go play ba ba uh, baseball experiment, you know, whatever, however you want to look at that, whether that was like a gambling situation to wipe it under the rug who knows the conspiracy theories are but and then he has second retirement and then coming back i mean like lebron has never stopped playing never no 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 listen never Le got injured lebron arguably is the best defender in his prime at the one two three four and five he's the best defender ever 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 no one could do what he could do like michael did it because he had scotty Scotty was the point forward. Scotty shut down the whole fucking left side or right side defensively, uh, guarded the best defender, and shut everybody fucking down. But that was Michael and Scotty. This is LeBron. If you I would squish say, LeBron, I would say arguably Michael Jordan had one of the greatest teams ever. No, he did. You know, he so had like coach players. No, no, no. Greatest players for him. Too. Greatest coach ever too. Like so, so I don't think it's comparable. I think even even that Miami squad. Where they, you know, where they won, I don't think that's comparable to the Bulls. I think that Bulls team had a way better roster than LeBron ever had in his career. So I would put that up. Well, Scott, Scotty is the probably the most underrated player that's ever played the game. Scotty Pippen just never made a, a mistake defensively. He just did it. He was so long and so smart and just knew what to do. That he shut. He shut. Not only, he didn't only shut one person down. He shut the entire fucking team down which allowed Michael to just concentrate on being a, a scorer and he was guarding either the point guard or the shooting guard as a defender. Michael was an elite defender. 
amazing defender. As good as anybody's ever defended in his life. But he only guarded the one and the two. LeBron guards the one, two, three, four, five. LeBron is the best player on the court every single time. LeBron takes the ball, drives to the basket. No matter what he does, he's, he's developed an amazing three-point shot, an amazing clutch shot. And on the free throw line, he's clutch. Where, you know, beginning of his career, he was not. So, um, so when he broke the record, it was amazing. It was really, you know, the the tip of the NBA iceberg this week because I mean it has been like the Super Bowl is this Sunday and and no one has talked about it for five fucking days. Nobody said jack shit about the fucking Super Bowl. They said yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. We'll get to it Friday because this NBA trade deadline was absolutely mind blowing. So uh, all right, let's uh, let's open the wound up right now as a Net fan, as a Brooklyn Net fan, as I remember when they got Kyrie and Kevin, and I remember you said, well, they're going to win a championship. And then when they got James Harden, you were like, this is a joke. They're going all the way. So uh, let's go full circle, Alex. How you feeling? Uh, Kyrie Irving's dead to me. I hope he destroys the Dallas Mavericks. I'm rooting nothing but the worst for him. Um and, and we were big, we were big Luca fans up to this point too. No, no, I, I listen. I'm sorry, Luca. It's just fucking you. You know, I don't. You don't even do it to yourself. But the 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 bright side for the Dallas Mavericks is the fact that they might actually get the best Kyrie that Kyrie can be, because he literally has no more options. With the Brooklyn Nets, he had this you know mentality of I'll sit out. I won't play for you unless you trade me. Um, I'm glad that Joe Sy said, fuck you. I'm not giving you the Lakers. Cause that's where you want to go. And I think he stuck it in his ass because I, he didn't want to go to the Mavericks. I think that genuinely he went to the Mavericks just to spite him. I don't think he wanted, you know, he wanted to go to the Lakers. He wanted to play with LeBron. I mean, as everyone knows. So I would say that that's the only, uh, optimistic thing in this whole ordeal, but Kyrie Irving since day one has just been a complete joke. I mean, I mean, as far as just a professional basketball player and showing up and doing your job, he's never done that for the Nets. Um, he destroyed a, a golden scenario with Cleveland, playing with, you know, arguably the best player of all time, number one in my eyes, number two in most. Um, he, do, you know, he didn't want to be second fiddle to LeBron, you know, later to regret that. Went to the Celtics, had a Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, had a an amazing roster, couldn't make it work was toxic, got traded to the Nets. Um, once he got here and we had Kevin Durant, this was one of those things where they chose to be here. So it's not like, you know, he got traded here and it wasn't a, a spot he want. He, this was where he wanted to be. And from day one, he's never performed. I mean, it's just, I think there was a statistic. He never played 12 straight games for the Nets during his whole three and a half year tenure. Um, he had the ongoing off the, court problems he would just disappear then the covid then just the anti-semitic tweets i mean it was always something the guy can't stay out of the media and can't you know just he shoots himself in the foot and then blames everyone else so i think that's the most frustrating part because you know how good of a basketball player he is you know how great of a basketball player he is when he plays the problem was he didn't play and he didn't play at a consistent level or just at a, any kind of, you know, consistency for us at all. So I would say that Kevin Durant 
you know, he put himself in this position, obviously teaming up with Kyrie, but to have Kevin Durant, to have Kyrie Irving and to have James Harden on the same team and win one playoff series um, is the biggest bust in professional sports, not basketball alone. I'm talking basketball, football, baseball, every team sport, there will never be a super team that had so much expectations and what ifs and failed so hard. In their prime, no less. No, no, no. It's it, three, no. Three this will never in their fucking prime. This will never happen. This would be equivalent to when LeBron teamed up with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and to be honest, Chris Bosh never panned out. I mean, health issues, whatever. He never was what Chris Bosh should have been, and they still won two and could have won three. Never was what he was on Toronto. No, never. But bottom line is, they still won two championships. He was, one, he was good enough. But they were in the, you know, they were That's why they lost in the, the Mavericks that first year. But they were they were there from year one. They got to the finals. Like right. they, there was never a lull. It no. was when you get three great players, at all time great players, at you know where they're playing, you know, great basketball. You you have to the the expectations are finals or bust. So for you to win one playoff series, one playoff series in the history, you know, in the four years that you were together, it's just an embarrassment. It's a joke, sad. and it's sad. sick. Sad. Very so, sad. so I'm rooting for Kyrie to blow up the uh, Dallas Mavericks, but he has a contract at the end of the year where you know he's a free agent, so he he has to perform, and uh, he'll probably ball out for them, and that probably makes it worse. So the Nets are back to uh, being in rebuild, and it's just a shitty situation, and uh, we have to look at fucking Ben Simmons, um, his outfits for the rest of the year because he gets to sit on the bench, <laughs> rehabbing his back. So that's fucking abysmal. Um, ben Simmons is a fucking complete joke, too. What a fucking travesty. This team's shit. $40 million and is afraid to take a fucking shot. No, no, no. $80 million. Because well, you got a, it, two years, $80 million. So is it is it next year and the year after? It's two years. So not counting this year, it's two more years. Two more years. Oh, my $80 million. That's a lot of fucking money. You could do a lot for, with $80 million right now. Yeah, you could sit on the bench. It's sick. Unbelievable. He's thinking about all the outfits he's going to wear. That's it. Un- he gets on the court and he doesn't shoot. He doesn't look at the basket. He's afraid to drive because he might get fouled and have to go to the free throw line. He does not defend anywhere near where he was. When he does play aggressive D, he overcommits and fouls. Um, and most of the time he on the nets, he has to guard the 4-5 and he's just, you know, He's not, he can't guard a five. You know, he, he was always the guy who could guard one through five, but his days of Philly defense when he was an all NBA defender are gone. So when he doesn't have that and he doesn't have the playmaking ability, because if you're known to not shoot, your your passing is already out the door because I don't have to guard you. You know, I could play off you. You're not shooting ever. You're never taking a three. Um, yeah, no, he's just, he's a complete bust from what he was. So I would say that the Philly, Philly to ever get rid of him, knowing what he was, um, is one of the greatest finesse jobs in NBA history. Big I mean, hustle. Oh my God. Hustled Nets right out of the fucking building. Ridiculous. So yeah. Sad, sad. So now, do you get rid of the GM? Do you get rid of head coach? I don't think, they were successful without them. They, they built a great team before them it's just one of those things when you get the ability to get players like Kevin Durant and Kyrie like they did and you have a chance to get Harden which they did you got to make those trades but obviously I feel like 
if there's anything stopping a future where there's just people who team up and make super teams, it's the fact that like, what if you have a net scenario and the upside is you could win a championship, but the downside is you win one playoff series in four years and your team's in shambles. You have no draft picks and you're fucking lost. The laughing stock of the NFL. So I would say that if you had to get for the highs of highs, if you don't win a, a ring like they didn't, to the low of lows, which is right now, it can't be lower for a franchise. Yeah, I, w- I, I would say that I wouldn't want to risk that. I'd rather go back and have Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie. That team was at least fun to root for as a fan. So, I mean, I know that the Kevin Durant situation, a lot of people say you have to take that. If I could go back, I wouldn't, you know? Yeah, they obviously. Would, they wouldn't either. So then all of a sudden, you get to the trade deadline and. Certain times the trade deadline is exciting. And let's let's say exciting, we're going to go scale of 1 to 10, we'll give it a 7. Okay? Maybe a 6, maybe a 7.5. This trade deadline was a 20. Scale of 1 to 10, a 20. Because the movement all around the NBA was mind-fucking-blowing. I guess the first ball dropped uh, when they let uh, Russell Westbrook go. And then just it kept going and going and going. And there might have been a big trade uh, in front of Westbrook. But, uh, I mean, it just, it is so big. And the NBA is so big globally and worldwide and in your face every single fucking night because you got games every single fucking night that it has stolen the thunder of the Super Bowl. That's impossible, but they did it. it, it let me say it again. They stole the entire fucking thunder of the Super Bowl. I mean, nobody's going to give a fuck about the Super Bowl until probably Saturday. No, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm Maybe a, Sunday. Saturday is uh, UFC for me. You got Volkanovski versus uh, Makachev. Right. So um, I mean, there's so many. I'm going to be honest. I've never been in a spot where usually the break feels so long and so dragged out and you have to hear pundits talk and they're really grasping for straws of what to talk about because you've already come up with. I haven't heard Chiefs or Eagles since probably the divisional round. I mean, like. Personally, I've been following other sports. The NBA is just, obviously, we had the LeBron breaking the points total looming. But I haven't heard any, it's not like, it's fresh. Because I'm not going to hear about it until Sunday. That's how I look at it. And you know what it is? There's no sizzle. There is no buzz. And you'd figure there would be. There's no hatred between these teams. I mean, there's only really love because, I mean, and I think it it hurts Kelsey and Kelsey. Because you really, you can't piss on the other team because your fucking teammate's brother is on the other team. You really can't. You're not going to go gutter level. You're not going to go in the sewer. You're not going to go. And there is, there's no bulletin board material. It's like, oh, uh, we love Nick Sirianni. We love the Eagles. Uh, I think, I think. We love Jalen Hurts. We love Pat Mahomes. You know, it's fucking crazy. I think it's a Tom Brady effect. I think it's because when Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, you have 95% of people invest, invested either way. You either love them or hate them, but you're watching. And you, you, you're you really adamant about one way or the other. You don't really have, you know, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. I don't fucking hate Jalen Hurts. No. I, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I, I would just say he was overrated, but he's just stuck in my ass every year. So, I mean, I'm a fucking hater, but he's proven that he's just elite level and he's just one of the best quarterbacks. So, I don't think you're, I don't think you really have hate. For any one of these squats. So I would say that it's the Tom Brady effect where you don't, you know, you're not rooting for one to lose adamantly. 
I don't think so. Unless it's, you're a divisional rival. I'm a divisional rival, and I don't even feel that way about the Eagles. I no, just don't. No, Sirianni's a class guy. He's he's like, and because he had such a horrible, I guess, audition in that interview room, and he looked so out of sorts and so clueless that you fell in love with the guy. You really did. You were rooting for him. You fell in love with him. And then last year, when they made a run and they played Tampa Bay, you know, heads up the first half of that game until Tampa Bay put him away, Um, you you really could root for the Eagles. They are not an ugly team. They're not a dirty team. They're a solid. It's not almost, they're almost not even a Philadelphia team because Philadelphia are a bunch of scumbags, low life pieces of shit. I hated Philadelphia. Do not hate this team. Do not hate the coach. Do not hate the organization. So it's, they're, they're not a team you could hate. Now, let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, he's supposed to be the best fucking ever. They gave him a half a billion dollars. $500 million. Think about that. 50 fucking million dollars a year. He's oh. one of the only people to get that money. And you would probably say it's not enough. Well, I mean, look, bottom line is this. I... Uh, took San Francisco against Kansas City in the Super Bowl, okay? Uh, Frisco made me a ton of money. Jimmy Garoppolo made me a ton of money. And that game was won. Kansas City was dead. If you remember, they were dead. San Francisco took that game over from the end of the first quarter through the middle of the fourth quarter. And he made one incredible, insane you know, dodging people. He almost got sacked five different times, throws the fucking ball in the middle of the fucking field. Tyreek Hill's right fucking there, and, and then it went downhill. Then I think uh, Kansas City scored 20 unanswered points, and then that was fucking it, and they pissed on San Francisco. So uh, I really had a hard-on for the fucking guy after that. But now, you know, after, you know, I've won, I've won back-to-back Super Bowls in epic fashion. We're up like 36 units. I've had the first score of the game back-to-back years. You know, I've made a ton of fucking money in the Super Bowl. So... That Super Bowl of losing is in the past, and I have no feeling for it. So now I love Pat Mahomes. How can you not like this guy? This guy is the most likable fucking guy you've ever seen in your life. Because the things he does, no one else can do. Because he does it off the cuff. It's like every single, did you see that pass? Did you see that pass? Did you see what he did? Did you see what he did? And he is almost sacked seven or eight times a game that nobody is getting out of where he is and he and you he cannot throw the ball the way he does he throws it on insane angles so truth be told he's not hateable no more he's not i don't care if he makes a half a billy not hateable you gotta love him so i think part of being flat with this super bowl is you don't hate either team you really fucking don't and you don't really give a flying fuck who wins this, you know, barring that we're in a business that I predict the winner and I'm going to have the winner and people bet millions and millions of dollars on my Stufiner opinion. So if you're betting, you obviously are invested in your bet. Correct. But if you're not betting, I feel like There's you don't nothing. care who wins. This is the flattest fucking Super Bowl ever, ever, ever. Besides if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Kansas City. Correct. Nationally, this is shit. So. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that this is so flat. No, nah, so, no, nah, it's Thursday. I mean, the Super Bowl's uh, on Sunday. Uh, listen, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk Super Bowl. I want to talk. I want to talk NBA trade deadline. So let's get right into it, Alex. Let's fucking go. Let's start with the Nets. So Nets trade away uh, Kyrie. Obviously, he goes to Dallas. Um, 
the Mavericks, you know, they really never had a star next to Luka. Uh, everyone's been shitting on Mark Cuban for, you know, waiting this long and never really giving him any help. So this is the first superstar he's ever played with. And I guess we're going to see what it takes them. Um, and obviously the Nets got rid of KD shortly after. Um, and that trade is incredible because now the Nets, as far as what you got back, I don't know if they did KD right for just being a class act because that's the only thing I could think of. You had another year, so you could have waited till the offseason and see how it went. Um, I don't think they would have got less than what they got. I mean, you got Mikhail Bridges, you got Cam Johnson. Those are all, you know, they're very, they're good players, you know, so you, you get the picks as well. But in my opinion, it's not like they would have, if they waited till the offseason, they would have got, you know, anything less. They probably would have got more, in my opinion. So, um, the Suns, though, picking up Kevin Durant, and now you have Chris Paul, who's the first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, um, an insane point guard. You have Devin Booker, you have Kevin Durant, and you have Aiton. So now those four on the court, starting with anyone, it doesn't matter who. You could put me on the as the fifth man. Devin Booker scores 30 a night when Chris Paul's out and Aiton's out, and he's getting triple teamed. So now you take a guy who could score 30, consistently being triple teamed as the only option on the floor. You give him the greatest pure scorer ever in Kevin Durant. You give one of, if not the best pure point guards in Chris Paul. And then you have a 20 and 10 guy with Aiton, um, who's now probably looking at a, a 30 and 15 because you're just, you can't guard anyone. You have to put two on Booker. You have to put two on Kevin Durant and Chris Paul is not one of these point guards like Russ where you could just leave him open on the three-point line and cheat. He could he could hit threes, and he could hit the mid-range like nobody else. So with those four on the court, if I mean, obviously KD is out with injury, but if he comes back healthy, if those four are healthy, um, they're the best in the West. Yeah. And that's saying that I know you have Jokic, and I know you have the Denver Nuggets being number one seed, and they have the MVP. And their body of work is very, very, very good. Um, I do not see how you can stop the the Suns. There's no way to game plan for that. You can't. Because Kevin Durant... I, so Kevin Durant, even when he was on the Warriors, and you would have Draymond Green on the court, you had Klay Thompson, you have Steph Curry, you'd have Looney, you'd have Kevin Durant. I don't know if, if, if people have short-term memory, but in those finals, you know... Kevin Durant, obviously, you had to double him and you had to double Steph. Klay Thompson, as good of a shooter as he is, I mean, you got to cheat. He was open. Draymond Green, he's a liability. You know, he's not shooting at a high rate from three. And Looney, you could leave open. So there were two people that you could pretty much just not guard. This is not the Suns team. Chris Paul hits, I mean, as far as, you know, he gets the short end of the stick where he's the clown of and the butt of every joke where he could never perform. He gets hurt in the playoffs. The Clippers had insane injury, bad luck. They could never win. They could never get past to the you know Western Conference Finals. They just never never could get to that next level. It was injuries. It's not like he didn't play bad. You look at his, uh, his statistics in the playoffs, he's incredible. What he's done with the Suns, it was incredible. I mean, Luke obviously embarrassed him in Game 7 at home. But barring that game uh, and this team, I mean, you're throwing a team where they were – probably the odds on to win the West at the preseason and you're throwing them Kevin Durant and you didn't lose any of the big three. So now those four are 
the best four as far as player for player, I would say, on the court that any team has. So that team, if they stay healthy, is unguardable, and I don't know how you game plan. Because Kevin Durant's one of the few players where no matter what you throw at him, he's getting his. Especially playoff KD when he's hitting every shot, he's pulling up, dribbling down the court, past half court, and he'll pull up from 35 and just drill it in your face. I don't care who's defending him. Devin Booker is the same person. I mean, he, he he hits fadeaways, he could dribble, and all four of them can, you know, pass. They're both they're all unselfish and they could post up. Like Devin Booker could go on the block. If you're one on one with him, he'll bully anyone that's guarding him. De- Ayton is a huge, you know, he could he could pretty much just bully anyone down low. And Kevin Durant could do the same. So there's just so much you could work with with those four. Uh, and I would say that if they stay healthy, that's that's so tough to beat. But the West is now stacked. Stacked. Because you just threw Kyrie on Dallas. You threw Kevin Durant on the Suns. You still got the Clippers with Kawhi if Kawhi and Paul George could stay healthy. And then the buyout market, if they could pick up Russell Westbrook, because they really just, you know, they gave away Reggie Jackson. They gave away um, uh, the John Wall, who didn't really pan out. You got to feel bad for him. But he's probably going to be on the buyout market too. But as of right now, the Suns are just, you know, what they picked up and their ceiling is just incredibly high. I mean, I think their odds went to like 470 to win the finals, rightfully so. But I would say that the Suns are definitely in the one to two spot. I still I still give the edge to Nuggets, even though most people won't. But um, those are the two top teams. And then the Lakers made a complete overhaul. I mean, like, it it's a completely different team. You got rid of Russell Westbrook. Um, you now picked up Malik Beasley. You now picked up, um, you traded away Thomas Bryant. Now you have, basically, I think the biggest move, obviously, was getting rid of Russell Westbrook's contract. He didn't really fit the team. He didn't fit the mold. And now you have, basically, D'Angelo Russell, who can play guard, even though he's not a pure point guard but he's, he's a step above as far as, you know, he could hit threes. And that's just the one thing they've been lacking. I think they were 26th in the NBA against uh, hitting threes. I mean, 26th. like, they would just leave Russ open. <clears throat> it was embarrassing. how it, You felt bad for him because of how wide open people left him. And there were some games where he would get hot, but mo- for the most part, he was abysmal from three. So they would literally just not guard him. And when you could just not guard someone and clog the paint, it's tough for AD to work. It's tough for LeBron to work. So I, I really like the Rui Hachimura trade. I think that that gives them a little bit more depth. Uh, he's a good player and he could shoot. Malik Beasley could shoot threes and obviously D'Angelo Russell. So I, I, they did a complete overhaul. I think the Lakers are a lot better, but again, they're five games under 500. They're in the 13 seed right now in the West. So they have a ton of work to do because like I said, if you're betting NBA and you're betting the numbers, there's never been a seven or eight seed to win. So, to, so forget about the play-in. You have to be a six seed to, to have any shot, in my opinion. Like, you're not you're not winning at that seven or eight. And if you are in the 9-10 spot, you have to win two games to even get in the playoffs to have the shot to probably get fucking beat down by the one or two seed. So that's how I look at it. Um, I would say that the Lakers did improve, but the West is just so fucking stacked now that you can't tell me with a straight face, I don't care how good LeBron is, that that team has a chance to compete versus the Suns if they're a two-spot versus seven or even the nuggets i know a lot of people don't really give the nuggets a lot of credit but they're number one in the west for a reason so 
Okay, now what about um, like, so for example, uh, the two teams, give me, give me a little feedback on Warriors, Pelicans, straight up right now. Warriors <clears throat> got rid of uh, James Weissman. He wasn't really doing anything for them, and it was a, pr- it was a pure like salary dump. Um, they just got rid of him, got some picks. I would say that the Warriors are, they're just, you know, no one really had any expectations for them last year and then they hit their groove and obviously they won. So whenever you have Steph Curry on your team and they they have the championship pedigree, I think they're always an option to make a run. But I would say that Curry right now is out indefinitely. So you don't even have a timetable for his return. Um, So I would say that they're going to struggle but they could always make some noise and make a run. Um, the Pelicans, uh, they picked up a, a, a piece. I would say they got the, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Richardson. Yeah, they got the Richard Richardson and they, um, Josh Richardson could be a good three and D guy, but I would say for the most part, um, Pelicans just for me are too young. I don't think they could really make some noise in the playoffs. Okay, and let, let's go to the East now. So, Milwaukee got better? Milwaukee got better and Boston got better, and I would say that those are the front runners in the East. Um, right now, I think Milwaukee has just an – I mean, they have the championship pedigree. They have Giannis, who's one of the most unstoppable players. Um, they just recently got Joe Ingles back from injury. So now you add Joe Ingles onto a team that already won the championship. So he's, you know, he's lights out from three um, and he's a veteran. I feel like he's going to make a big move as far as stepping in and making some noise. And the Celtics uh, recently just, they just beat the 76ers in a game where Al Horford got scratched last minute. Robert Williams got scratched last minute. They're two bigs who... Usually those are the two that, you know, Robert Williams has been dealing with ongoing injuries. You know, he's been put back in the lineup, but he's not playing back-to-backs. So the Celtics recently just picked up, um, I think they got Mike Muscala. So Mike Muscala is going to give them depth as a five. And him and Luke Cornett, they have so much depth as far as the Celtics are concerned. But those two players, Mike Muscala, I think he's hitting something like 30... 39% 39% from three. So he's a good stretch five. He'll give them some depth and help them rest because Robert Williams needs his rest and Horford could use some rest and they could just be healthy for the playoffs because health is the most important thing. So as long as you have the depth that the Celtics have, I feel like they're going to you know be in a good position. But like I said, they had no Horford. They had no Robert Williams. Jalen Brown gets elbowed in the face by friendly fire of Tatum's elbow. And somehow they beat the 76ers who were missing nobody. So that was one of the most just, I mean, we Eye were opening. No, no, no. That's, that's embarrassing. That's one of the most embarrassing, embarrassing losses for the, for the yeah. 76ers. But that's just shows how deep that team is where even their, you know, three starters go out. Basically, if you count Jalen Brown, he played, he scored like four points, played 17 minutes. They were still able to beat Joel Embiid, Harden and their full team. So, I look at it as, you know, Joel Embiid, I know that he's in the MVP front runner race, but there's those games that just don't make sense where I don't know if it's he just doesn't have it for that night because it's an 82-game season. You're not going to have it most nights. So, But you compare him to Jokic where Jokic is showing up every night. Jokic is not losing to the Celtics without both big starting 
and Jalen Brown getting hurt. That's just not happening. That's the difference between the Nuggets and the 76ers, where you both have a dominant big, an MVP-level big, but there's a clear difference in what you're performing day in, day out, you know, as far as winning. So is there anybody in the East besides the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers? Is there really anybody else? Because the Celtics and the Bucks, if they're hot from three, pretty much game's over. I mean, it's pretty much nothing you can do because both of those teams could just shoot you out of the fucking building. Um, Sixers, like you said, are, you know, a head scratcher because... They, I mean, Sixers are still my long shot. I think they got even so better Harden, odds. Harden, I, Harden, I have hot enough, you think, and, and Embiid. I have faith in Harden. I, I have faith in Embiid when it counts. Um, obviously, Harden has a lot to prove, but I think that team's deep enough and they have the right pieces where they can make some noise. Um, the can they Cavs, shoot the three? Can they shoot the yeah, three? Yeah, with yeah. The they could shoot the three. Tyrese Maxey could shoot the three. James Harden could shoot the three. Uh, Tucker from the corner can shoot the three. Embiid can, but not really. I mean, he doesn't need to. But they have enough three-point shooting that they could get by. They have George Niang off the bench, who he's one of – he's a very, very underrated player, in my opinion. He comes off the bench and just drills threes at will, and he's a big man. So he could stretch the floor out. I feel like they have enough pieces to make some noise, and they're my they're my long shot. And now they even have better odds, obviously, with the Suns leapfrogging and the Mavs making some moves to leapfrog and just the West in general. So I would say that the West is going to beat up on themselves – and give the chance to the East. So it's a lot It's a lot of, well, the East has no chance. Well, you know, they just have to beat the East. It's like when LeBron cleared out the competition, I would say that the East is worse than when LeBron was dominating those years and just beating down Toronto and getting to the finals every single year. No one wanted to play in the West because, you know, and no one wanted to play in the East because you had to go through LeBron and no one beat him, you know? He made that uh, Eastern versus Western Conference the disparity that big because everyone went to the West. It was just one of those things where if you were if you were a superstar on the market and you were looking to win a championship, you went out West, so you didn't have to play LeBron. Now LeBron's out West, and you just gave the West Kyrie, KD. I mean, uh, right now I would say the East is wide open as far as, you know, whoever comes out of the East should be, you know, fresh legs enough that they could really make a run versus anyone. So that's how I look at it. Nice, nice. And then just, you were going to say something about Cleveland. Uh, no, Cleveland didn't really make any moves. Um, they stayed put. The The Raptors really, you know, there was a lot of OG Ananobi talk. He stayed put. They wanted to move Fred Van Vliet. Um, but there was some hold up as far as, I think they wanted to, you know, get rid of uh, Van Vliet. But they wanted uh, Terrence Mann in a first from the Clippers. And they the Clippers obviously didn't budge on that. So nothing really happened as far as the Raptors are concerned. They stayed put. Um, I feel like there's definitely a, a fall off as far as the the Miami Heat. A lot of people are upset as far as Pat Riley making zero moves. It was almost like they just went to sleep and didn't pick up any calls. At least it feels like that. They made zero action. So I'd say that the Heat, the Cavaliers, the Raptors are three teams that as far as if you, you, know, you want to count the Toronto Raptors is getting Jacob Podol, uh a move. I mean, it definitely helps their center issues, but it's not like a big wow where you were expecting more. Okay, and let's uh, let's we'll wrap up the NBA with last but not least my New York Knicks. And the New York Knicks picked up Josh Hart. So as far as you know, 
Jalen Brunson, they were teammates, so he was happy about that move. I don't think that it's a big, you know, I still have them, you know, bottom of the barrel of the East. And I know a lot of people say that, you know, this Josh Hart could propel them to the four seed. I don't see it. Um, I have them at the six through eight seed in the East. I don't really think that they're going to make some noise, and I have no faith. I mean, I, w- I would hope that Julius Randle, he's hitting his stride, but he does this and he tricks everyone every fucking year. He plays elite-level basketball down the stretch. It looks like he's putting up fucking 30, you know, 30-point 30 average numbers every fucking night, looking consistent. He gets to the playoffs, and he falls apart. I mean, the way he fell apart versus the Hawks and Trey Young just coming into the guarding then absolutely dropping his balls on his face. Um, since that, I have no faith in Julius Randle. So if you're if you're telling me that Julius Randle, this will be the year where he steps out, uh, I, I need to see it to believe it. So until I see that, I don't believe it. And so they want, if they make the playoffs, they're one and done? In my opinion, if they make the playoffs and they're the four or five seed, maybe they could win a series, but... I don't even think them. I don't. I don't. I don't see them holding that spot. But then again, you have the Nets, who you know currently a four seed. They're now they're gonna fall. I mean, they're not gonna fall. They're gonna free fall, probably out of playoff contention, maybe into the playing game. But yeah, it's twenty five games left. Twenty seven games left, give or take. I don't know the exact. Lakers number. have to go nineteen and eight. They said so. I think it's twenty seven games left, give or take. You know, to make a run. So, uh, but God, NBA is unbelievable. Just if you're an NBA fan, your mind is spitted like you're swirling. You need, you need like fucking, uh, you know, 10 pink Whitney's and, uh, you know, a quarter doers just to calm the fuck down. But um, all right. So that's going to be it for uh, NBA. I mean, it's just going to go on uh, forever. And then uh, obviously we have the Super Bowl on Sunday, which is going to be so, so exciting. So, so exciting. And uh I'm going to be juiced up for the Super Bowl probably Saturday. Uh, Saturday normally for me is a monster college uh, basketball card. Had some major, major success last week. Uh, sweeping all my uh, best bets. Um, and, Indiana uh, over Purdue. Headed by Indiana over Purdue, which what a game. I mean, Indiana was a favorite, and that's yeah, one of the hardest but, stadiums to play but in. What That was a great game. No, no. I, I mean, mean, it was it was incredible. They had to, the energy had was... To, Indiana had the game won, and then, and then they almost lost the game. No, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like I, I could see most people, if you're a college basketball fan, a pure college basketball fan, those are the games that get you up in the morning. Those are the games that you watch and you see the intensity. You feel the uh, atmosphere of the crowd. I mean, that's why when you play college basketball, your home court advantage is ins- – there's no – it's priceless. They really can't. So loud. No, no. I mean, that was that – was, I, honestly, that was one of the loudest college basketball – crowds I've ever heard in my life. And that's that's you know that's why you can make a 21 at home a favorite over the number 1 team in the nation. A number 1 team in the nation that has been tested in conference play and you know barring the Rutgers one point loss was undefeated in the season. So right. you look at it where that's how much home court advantage in college can sway a line. You know, you look at you know this is the number 1 team in the nation and they're getting one and a half well, there's a reason for that. So bottom line is that's the, you know, that's the difference between college and NBA. I would say that's why people love college versus NBA. In my opinion, I, I think it's an inferior product. I just feel like 
it's the NBA to me is the holy grail. It's over NFL, it's over college basketball, it's over college football. It's number one. But I could see why people have the, um, I mean, the college atmosphere is something that you can't replicate. Unbelievable. And then um, just let me throw in a couple of things here. Uh, my greatest Super Bowl call of my life uh, was when the Broncos uh, pissed on the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. I uh, hit the side, the total, the parlay, the money line, and I hit 25 to 1, the MVP. So um, right now that video is up uh, on my Twitter at Stuart Finer, S-T-U-A-R-T-F-E-I-N-E-R, and Stu Finer on Instagram, S-T-U-F-E-I-N-E-R. So if you've lived under a rock uh, for the last eight years and you haven't seen me and Colin Coward, go at it. Um, it's worth watching because it's one of my greatest goals ever because uh, Colin loved, loved, loved the fucking Panthers. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to save the guy because I love him. I fucking love him. And he gave me a lot of, a lot of sizzle, a lot of press, a lot, lot of buzz on that. So it's, it's a great one of, video. It's, it's one of, if not the greatest um, radio call-ins in history. So, no, I mean, absolutely. I gave it for free to everybody, you know. And to have Von Miller at 25 to 1. Think about that. Von Miller... That's one of those stories, When I gave it out, it was 25 to 1. Game time is 16 to 1. That's how much money was bet on my call of Von Miller as the MVP. I pushed the line down 10 points. But bottom line is this. That's one of those... Plus 2,500 to plus 1,600. That's one of those stories where if you told that, no one would believe you. You know what I'm saying? It would be like, yeah, sure, Stu. Yeah, no, no, no. We believe you. Like, it's... But there's video proof. I right, mean, it's right. And I and I said I I told Colin Carrot as you watched the video, bet your lineage on the Denver Broncos lineage, and that, that's pretty fucking strong. It's so, one of our greatest game of lineage games of the year. Yes, exactly, lineage game of the year. So so that'll get you pumped for the Super Bowl. That'll get you so pumped. So what? Well, and listen, my Instagram and my Twitter feeds. I match them against every anybody in the world. I don't care that people get five or ten million or a million views. I'm better. My social media is better. It's just fucking better. It's creative. It's funny. It's better. I'm you. Remember that. I'm not Dave Portnoy, half a billion dollar guy. That's not me. I'm not one of these NFL players or NBA players or college basketball players or billionaire superstars. I'm you. I am you. The common I'm man. The common man that has built a legacy of just being funny and outrageous and in your fucking face for 40 fucking years. So my social media is better than people's because you can relate to me. You can relate to it. You can relate to me weighing myself, weighing Monday. Uh, shout out Stu Fina losing over five pounds on the way in Monday, by the way. Thank you, Stu. Yes, I'm thinner. Yes, I look better. Yes, my sugar's down. Yes, my marijuana is almost down to a, a, a nothing. Um, I'm down from between 10 and 14 cups of coffee a day to three. I have two in the morning and one in the evening. That's fucking it. Uh, I've done away with bacon. Bye-bye bacon. Uh, I'm going to limit my fried foods, and I've eliminated diet snapples. That's it. Bye-bye diet snapples. See you later. So long. Bye-bye. Because I had heartburn that I wanted to die. Like, it never went away. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor told me, you know, no coffee. He said, no coffee. I said, doc, uh, I'm not fucking having no coffee. I'd rather die. He said, uh, you can't have coffee. Uh, you can't have bacon. You can't have fried food. You can't smoke at all. So, you know, I, I made it like my own plan 
which is always what I do. I listen to the doctor and then I say, I'll take what I need and leave the rest. So do you, do you now, do you look them dead in the eye and just lie? Like you nod and go, yeah, I know doc. Or do you 100%. tell them straight? No, no, oh, no. you just tell them. Yeah. yeah. I lie. I'm going to change yeah, my I'm life. Gonna, I'm, I, because, because then they'll just sit there and they'll bring a nurse in or they'll bring a patient in that, that almost died from what I have. And you know, like I don't want to hear it. So and I they have that lie. guy trapped in the closet. Like what is, what is he doing there? What are they, how right. did they just happen? I don't know. He's just like, oddly enough, every time I have a problem, they, they're able to, you know, I don't know. Maybe, is that a maybe sex? They, maybe they keep those cycle people. Is that around. a sex slave? What do you I, think? It could be. It could be. It could be a a, a doctor slave. It could be. Let's call wow. it. Shout out doctor slave. So, um, I was having death heartburn, and obviously you could relate to heartburn. Really, truth be told, there is nothing worse than heartburn. There really isn't. And the problem is that when I had the heartburn, leukemia. I, to, I guess leukemia could be worse than heartburn. I mean, just I. Shout out leukemia. I mean, if you're just saying it like yeah, that, guess, you know, I like, guess so. No, no, no. Terminal cancer. Shout right. out terminal cancer. That's right. worse than Hubbard. But it is so painful. I'd rather get kicked in the fucking balls. I mean, I've had a pensy pinky and I've had that little orange plastic ball hit me in the ball sack when I played goalie as a young kid. I was a phenomenal goalie and I never liked to wear a cup because it just constricted me. So I got hit in the balls like seven or eight times. Like I'm talking flat out. Hit in the fucking balls. So I, you also would, got, you would I also take got a... kicked in the balls with steel tip boots uh, in a fight once because I was bashing someone's face in, and they kicked me in steel tip boots in my fucking ball sack, and I went down. Like Direct a bitch. shot. Direct shot in the fucking balls. Whew! Steel tip boots down like a bitch. How long? Did I that, lost that. What fight. was the recuperating time? Hours. I went home, cried like a little bitch, and I put ice on my ice on my ball sack while my mother was making me a cheese omelet. I ate Captain Crunch, cried in my Captain Crunch, and my mother made a cheese omelet while I was semi-naked in the kitchen with ice on my ball sack. Your, your mother's stories are a little, they're just weird. Shout out mom. That's it. They are weird. Yeah. Shout out mom. And if you want to go to my social media right now, I have some pictures of my mother and my father and my brother and uh, me. And significance of that is my brother's been dead since 2005. My mother dead since 2002. It's my father's 85th birthday. On Saturday, big party, big fucking party for Howard Fina. No middle name, no middle name. It's just Howard Fina. It's a badass. Army veteran, toughest motherfucker you ever saw in your life. Going to be 85 on Saturday. And we're having a big 85th birthday party for him. Now, tomorrow also um, is my son, Ryan Fina's 28th birthday. Shout out, Ryan. Happy birthday. Uh, Sunday's the Super Bowl. And uh, we're ready to roll. Now, also, I'm taking my father tomorrow uh, to the Empire State Building. He wants to go to the Empire State Building. He loves the Empire State Building. My mother worked on the 87th floor uh, in 1957, 1958, 1959 uh, as a secretary. So he always loved the Empire State Building. And I have a hook in today, obviously, through Barstool. Tyler O'Day used to work at Barstool, left Barstool. He runs social media for the Empire State Building. So, uh reached out to him and he hooked me up. We're going to go there tomorrow for a tour, little lunch, and then come on back and then party out for my son Ryan's birthday. So I got my father tomorrow doing something special in the city. Then we're going to blow it out for Ryan's birthday Friday, tomorrow, all night into Saturday, my father's birthday, uh, into Sunday, the Super Bowl, And then, uh, we see where it takes us. So it's going to be absolutely one of the best, uh, weeks of my life from the Super Bowl. My father's birthday, my son's birthday, uh, it really doesn't get any better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, truth be told, your family really is all you got. 
It really is all you got. Now, a lot of people say, well, I hate my family. I like my friends. I like, well, I mean, fuck you. You're a scumbag. I mean, I mean, let's fucking be real, okay? Your father and mother brought you in, and even if they are hardened criminals and terrorists, they're still your father. You can't pick your family. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. I'm going to be honest here. I'm going I'm to I'm yes. segue a little bit. Segway. If you're... If your family member is a terrorist, it's I would say it's a it's you've, appropriate. You visit him in jail. No, 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 no. You you cut him off. You know uh, that's I, it. You can't real well. I mean, I guess you could. Listen, I guess I guess you could. Listen, I guess no, no, if no, my it's... father was a Unabomber, I'd cut him off. Yes, I yes. don't really guess at that. That's a fact. That's I'm cutting but, you off. But in other words, uh, you know, by the grace of God, uh, I have a normal family, and I love my family, and. You know, I mean, nothing's perfect with family. Obviously, you fight like cats and dogs. You get down in the gutter. You swing it. You fucking everybody's faces. But at the end of the day, you got to love it out. got to hug it out. It's where it is. It's who it is. Your fucking family is where you come from. You learn more from your mother and how your mother raised you and your father and how your father raised you about yourself. Because the, that's where it is, whether you like it or not. Like most of us are in therapy. Like I go to therapy once a week. Still talk about my mother. Still talk about my father issues. They never go away. They never go away. Freud, Sigmund Freud, shout out Sigmund Freud, shout out Jew, love you Jew. Um, he said, for a man, you have to deal with your father issues to become a complete whole human. And for a woman, you have to deal with your mother issues. So in other words, you know, the way out is the way through. You have to go through the tunnel. It's extremely painful because I guess certain parents have been perfect. Mine were not. Uh, most people's parents are not. Most people's parents have problems. And then how do they deal with their problems? They normally take them out on their kids. So their kids are fucked up. And not permanently fucked up, but there's some scars. And everyone knows that, you know. Most people just lie. You know what I'm saying? Most people don't talk about the really ugly, dirty motherfucking things that happen in your house when your fucking door's closed, when no cameras are around, when no phones are around, when nobody sees jack shit. A lot of bad shit goes down. We know this. We, you know, I, I don't need your validation. I'm fucking telling now. I'm not, not asking a fucking question. So I know you're nodding your head. Yeah, yeah, I can relate. Of course you can relate. Everybody can relate. But most people are full of shit. Most people are scumbags. Most people have this Pollyanna life where everything is great. Everything is good. Everything works for you. But that's not really the case. What really is the case is this pain. And you got to walk through the pain. That was deep, Stu. But the point becomes is that it's worth walking through the pain because there's only one person that you could say is your mother. There's only one person that you could say is your father. And I don't that, know. It's that's 20, where I'm at. It's 2023. There's, there's multiple people. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'm not, we're not going into that. Let's just pass that up. Just now. saying it's a possibility. I, it, it is a possibility. It is 2023, but I'm not going into it. I'm not, I'm just not going to start there. So, um, just listen, it's great to be alive, right? It's great that you know there are no excuses anymore in life, okay? If your life sucks, take responsibility that you suck. If your life is not the way you want it to be, take responsibility that you are in control of change. You are in control of any motherfucking thing in the world. You don't like your job, tell your boss to suck your cock and find another fucking job. And that's the bottom line. On the internet right now, there's so much to do. You can do anything in the world. You could study anything you want to do. You could find out anything you can. And the only thing stopping you from being the best you you can be is you. 
and a work ethic. You have to work hard. Even if you're a low-life scumbag criminal, work hard. Just work fucking, be, be the best scumbag you could be. Be the best <laughs> low-life you could be. Be the best criminal you could be. But the bottom line, my point, you get my point, okay? Being a little sarcastic, a little funny, a little satirical, but you could be the best you could be. So I can't stand when people are, poor me, poor me, my house, I have no money, I have no friends, I have no family, I have no hope. No, 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 no. You have tremendous fucking hope. I don't want to hear shit. You could do whatever you want to do, anytime you want to do it, it's up to you. I love you. I believe in you. So there's nothing you can't do. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. Anybody could do anything in the world if they work hard and are diligent and are honest. Now, might take 20 hours a day, seven days a week for a year or two or three or four. That's what successful people do. Successful people might look like they do nothing. That's bullshit. They do a lot. Successful, happy, whole people work hard every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Every single day. I don't care if it's school. I don't care if it's homeschooling. I don't care if it's self-taught. I don't care if it's prayer, meditation, exercise. Whatever it is, it's available to you. My point being right fucking now on this fuck fucking podcast, podcast 19 with me and Alex Finer. I don't want to hear no fucking excuses. If you're a stoolie, if you're part of Stu Nation, you don't make excuses. It's progress. You're always going forward. As long as you're going forward with baby steps, there's nothing you can't fucking do. And that's really the bottom line. And that's really the point of this. So we're going to wrap this up right now. I want you to have a phenomenal Super Bowl Sunday. Phenomenal. I hope you have the best Super Bowl Sunday of your life. I'm hoping you pay me because I'm the best there is in the world. That is. But if you don't pay me, I hope you do a good job on your own. Probably not, but I hope you do a good job on your own. Okay, Saturday, I hope that everyone could just say happy birthday, Howie Finer. Shout out, happy Howie Finer, 85 years old, happy birthday. Uh, tomorrow's my son Ryan's birthday. Happy birthday, Ryan. Happy 28th birthday. And have a great fucking life. And as always, you know my motto. Do something for someone that is less fortunate than yourself, but don't get found out. Don't get found out. If you get found out, it doesn't fucking count. Still good. Still great. But not in my book. I want you to do something for someone who is less fortunate than yourself and don't get found out. Don't get found out because that's true giving. Not giving where people pat you on the back, people suck your dick, people say how great you are, attitude, gratitude. No, 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 no. Do something for someone. Don't get found out. All right, we're wrapping it up right now. Have a great Super Bowl week. NBA's on fire. College basketball's on fire. Life is on fire. Life is on fire. Make sure your life sizzles. Ready to roll. Like and subscribe. Comment on the podcast. Get the word out about my podcast. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. Ready to roll.